If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we could just turn. This I'm sure. Into I would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Hello ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 44 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. On this week's episode, we will be recapping the UFC 231 pay-per-view that took place in Toronto, Ontario, Canada this past Saturday night and previewing the UFC on Fox 31 card going down this Saturday night in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. With that being said, we are going to start things off with the UFC 231 pay-per-view and what a pay-per-view it was. What an incredible card from top to bottom, uh, you know, just really delivered. And uh, we'll start things off at the uh, at the bottom of the card on the UFC Fight Pass prelims. Alexander Rachich making quick work of Devin Clark in that one. Uh, Devin Clark uh, looked like he uh, showed up in this one. You know, he was a humongous underdog, but he really showed uh, uh, Rachich a little bit of adversity. He uh, even hurt Rachich a little bit, maybe with some elbows to the back of the head. Um, questionable uh, elbows, but regardless, Rachich uh, absorbed those blows, didn't let it uh, affect his uh, confidence, and uh, he ended up getting the finish in the same exact round. So great comeback from Rachich in that one, and Clark honestly didn't look too bad. Honestly, I think you can, I think you can give Clark another shot in the UFC. He uh, he's only is I think he's a three and two or three and three in the UFC. So honestly, he's not he's not terrible. So. Uh, moving on, we had Carlos Diego Ferreira uh, knock out uh, Kyle Nelson in the second round of their fight. Again, Kyle Nelson looking pretty game in this one. He looked good, but uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira ended up t- t- turning it up in the second round and getting the finish in that one. Uh, Nelson looks pretty UFC caliber, even though he was brought in on a uh, short notice. So uh, congrats to him for getting his way into the UFC, but uh, he's got to really make his next fight count. Or else he'll be cut. But a uh, great performance from uh, Diego Ferreira with his opponent changing, I think, three times throughout fight camp. So, uh, next fight, we had uh, a humongous 3 to 1 underdog uh, upset. Diego Lima knocking out knocking out Chad LaPreece at uh, 97 seconds into this fight. So, very quick knockout in this one. He really sparked him. Uh, Diego Lima has a pretty bad chin, and uh, LaPreece is pretty much known for his boxing and his power, and everyone really thought that uh, LaPreece would be the one getting the finish in this one. But, man, Diego Lima stepping up and uh, getting the knockout in this one. So, great performance from him. In the next fight, uh, we had a decision. Uh, Brad Katona defeating Matthew Lopez. Uh, 30-27 on one card, uh, 29-28 on the others. Uh, you know, great performance from Katona in here. He uh, His price was really good as a favorite in this one. Uh, Lopez was is a really uh, not that great of a fighter. And uh, honestly, a uh, questionable stoppage in this one. Brad Katona looked like he was choking out uh, Matthew Lopez as the clock expired. And the commentators seemed to think that Matthew 
Lopez was unconscious. I do, I do not think so at all. He moved right after the choke. He, he rolled over onto his knees right after. He was not unconscious by any means. So, uh, nice decision win from there. Very dominant. Showing off his striking. Showing off his grappling. Brad Katona is a very legit prospect at in the bantamweight division. Uh, next fight, uh, a little bit of a questionable decision. Uh, pretty competitive fight. Elias Theodoro defeating Eric Anders by split decision in this one. Uh, you know, uh, Elias Theodoro probably won the first and the third rounds, I want to say, even though the first was pretty low action. I think that Anders, uh, you know, could have you could have maybe given Anders the first round. So, um, And then Anders actually had a really dominant second round where he looked like he almost had Elias uh, out of there. Uh, he he was uh, Elias was really hurt and so you could you could possibly give that round 10-8 to Anders you could possibly give it 10-9 so very close fight but man when you look at the when you look at the grand scheme of things Eric Anders almost had him hurt almost had you know landed the significant uh, punches of the fight the most significant punches by far and he was the closest to finishing by a mile. Elias Theodoro outpointed him for a few more minutes, you could say. But man, if you want to look at like who did the most damage and who really won this fight, that it was Eric Anders. So unfortunate for him that he did not get the decision in this one. But uh, regardless, moving on, uh, Jessica I defeating Caitlin Chukagan via split decision. Um, this one, I think, uh, was went Jessica I's way. I, I don't really agree with the split, although it was pretty close. Uh, you know, Jessica I was trying to close the distance and being pretty successful at that, you know, getting some takedowns in this one. And Caitlin Chukagan was just trying to work her striking, but was not very successful in this one. So if you're looking at who was trying to implement their game plan, Jessica I was trying to close the different, uh, close the distance, make this a grinding type of fight. Chukagan was trying to keep it at distance and keep it a striking battle. Well, Jessica I was way more successful. So I, I agree with the decision in this one. Next fight, we had Gilbert Burns defeating Olivier Oben Mercier in a decision, a pretty dominant one at that. Gilbert Burns looking good on the feet in this one, and uh, the really the real uh, win in this fight came with the grappling in this one. Gilbert Burns, you know, world class jujitsu black belt, uh, taking on a, you know a very great grappler of his own OAM, but uh, you know that Burns' grappling just really showcased in this one, and he won this fight pretty dominantly. So uh, nice win for Burns in this one, and a uh, couple straight losses uh, in for. OAM, some tough losses. Alex Hernandez and Gilbert Burns just facing some crazy, uh, crazy grapplers. So, uh, hopefully, he can get an easier fight next. Moving on to the fight pad, last fight on the prelims, we had Nina Ansaroff defeat Claudia Gedalia 29 28 on all three scorecards. Uh, you know, you could have this fight was so fucking predictable, man. Claudia Gedalia was gonna win the first round, she's gonna gas out, and she's gonna lose the second and third, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Nina Ansaroff being a two uh, plus 250 underdog. After round one was one of the best lines all year, I swear to you. And then she was a, she was a underdog after the second round too. Just incredible, incredible lines on Nina Ansaroff. Uh, you know, uh, held off on betting her pre-fight, but man, uh, you know, betting that live betting just came in handy in this one. So great performance from Ansaroff, man. Her striking looked on point. Gedalia is just man, she is a shot fighter at this point. Um, she what used to be one of the best fighters in the division, and now she might not even be in the top ten or fifteen fighters in the division. So she has really fallen from grace. Uh, her cardio is just terrible. Her striking is no good anymore. She doesn't have the physicality. She's just not the same anymore. But uh, Ansaroff, you know, looking great. I think that's four wins in a row for. Her. Um, 
Next fight on the pay-per-view card, we have one of my favorite fights ever, I want to say. Thiago Santos defeating Jimmy Manoa by knockout in the second round. Just six minutes of straight power bombs, trading back and forth, hurting each other. Just an incredible, incredible fight, man. This fight had so many like moments where you were screaming at the TV and... Uh, from power shots and it also uh, had some moments when you were laughing at the tv because of how crazy it was and how silly some of the strikes they were throwing were Thiago Santos at one moment threw like a 720 spinning kick or something like that it, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen I burst in between in, in between all this screaming of oh, oh, oh you know you know when they're hurting each other uh, I burst out laughing in this one. So that was, you know, and then, of course, the knockout was just a vicious, vicious knockout from Thiago Santos. So great, great fight in this one, just straight action, and what a way to kick off the pay-per-view. Uh, and then in the next fight, we had Hakim Duwadu defeating Kyle Wachniak by a very questionable split decision. Uh, Hakim Duwadu won this fight three rounds to zero, so I don't know how one judge gave two rounds to Bochniak. Very, very confusing. Uh, Bocchniak did not look very good in this one. He did not look very aggressive or wasn't as willing to trade as he was with the, the Zabid fight. But, man, uh, Duwadu is looking pretty calculated in his striking and is very good in this one. So uh, I would like to see uh, Duwadu get a better opponent next. And uh, as far as Bocchniak, man, he needs to take some time off and make some improvements because he, uh, he did not look very good in there. Um, next fight in the welterweight division, we had another incredible Incredible fight. Alex Oliveira, uh, Gunnar Nelson, excuse me, defeating Alex Oliveira by a submission via rear naked choke in the second round. Uh, the fight start. The fight started off with uh, Gunnar Nelson uh, taking Alex Oliveira's back. He's one of the best uh, grapplers in the UFC, so this was an incredible moment in the fight. But Alex Oliveira had showed some really good defense and was able to get out of that uh, that body triangle that Gunnar Nelson had on him. So really impressive uh, defense from Alex Oliveira there, and actually turned the position around and started to land some heavy shots on uh, Gunnar Nelson on the ground. Uh, heavy ground to pound. I think he even uh, definitely won the round in this one. One. Uh, Alex Oliveira, you know, came back from getting his back taken and uh, somehow won the round. So uh, great from uh, performance from him in the first round, but kind of tailed off in the second round. Alex or uh, Gunnar Nelson was able to get mount again and be a lot more uh, safe this time with his positioning. Was able to land a vicious, vicious elbow, a couple elbows, but one of them was one of the most vicious elbows in the history of the UFC. Just sliced a cut open on Alex Oliveira's head, the size of you know maybe two inch uh, long cut. Man, it required 38 stitches. It, it what had him bleeding like a stuck pig. He took the back and he squeezed the neck, and you see the blood like squirting out of his head like a fountain, just pouring out. Man, one of the most brutal scenes in the history of the UFC. Um, yeah, I mean, not to me, of course. I mean, fight fans, it was it was amazing. It was great. Uh, it's what you it's what you hope to see all the all the time. Uh, but but man, if you have to like that's that could be on like the you know where was this Toronto Ontario that could be on the paper the next morning and say like never have allow the UFC to come back to Ontario again and and honestly the public would be behind it because that was just a brutal brutal image. But regardless, incredible fight. Great performance from Gunnar Nelson, withstanding that adversity in the first round. Looked almost close to maybe getting finished in that first round. It was getting eating some heavy, heavy shots against the cage. 
and uh, Alex Oliveira just coming up, coming up short again in this one. Man, uh, he, that Yancey Madero's fight last uh, December pay-per-view, too, he ate some vicious, vicious elbows in that one, too. Some of the nastiest elbow strikes from the bottom I've ever seen. So, man, have mercy on this dude. Um, but regardless, great, great fight. That's uh, my 10th time saying regardless. So, co-main event. Valentina Shevchenko defeated Joanna Jacek via unanimous decision, four rounds to one for Valentina. Uh, great performance from Valentina. Her striking looked on point. Her grappling was on point. Her takedowns were on point. Uh, she really, you know, showed her physicality, being the bigger woman in there. She showed that she is the uh, de- deserving champion of the flyweight division. She showed that she's probably one of the, the most well-rounded. Uh, UFC women uh, of all time, possibly. You know, Nunes, her, she doesn't really show as much grappling and as much takedowns as uh, Valentina does. She doesn't show as much, uh, you know, um, dexterity in her kicks, I would say. You know, uh, Valentina is much more diverse uh, in her striking attack. Uh, you know, the only per- I think Rose is probably up there. She's got great jujitsu and great striking as well. But uh, Valentina, man, I think she really puts it all together and is uh, probably the best woman in the UFC right now, pound for pound. So congratulations from her for getting her title. And honestly, I would like to see Joanna drop back down to 115. I think that's her natural weight class and where she has the best chance at possibly, you know, getting the belt back uh from rose or whoever is the champion you know she does have a win over andrage andrage is probably up next to fight nama Yunus, and that's a very favorable matchup for andrage so you never know Joanna could still make her way back to the title at some point and in the main event of the night we had Max Holloway defeat Brian Ortega via doctor stoppage after the fourth round to retain his UFC featherweight championship what an incredible main event, living up to all the hype that we, we intended. Um, you know, Max Holloway, uh, Brian Ortega, both in their primes, both 27 years old. Uh, you know, both were uh, you know under, on some of the best win streaks in the UFC. I think Ortega was 7 or 8 and 0. Uh, Holloway was on a 12-fight win streak, you know, and just... just at the top of their careers, we got to see the, these two gentlemen go at it. It was a privilege of a matchup, and it really delivered. Max Holloway, I believe, one's round one and two, and it, it was competitive though. These guys were throwing; high, it was high output, high volume, a lot of punching, uh, not very much takedowns. Brian Ortega was not very successful in his attempts to close the distance, and that was kind of what led to his demise in this one. Although he did come back and steal round three, uh, landed some pretty heavy power shots in that one. I think he did land them more significant and more damaging shots in round three but unfortunately round four is where max holloway tuned it turned it up he showed that championship cardio brian ortega had never been to the championship rounds and max holloway put an absolute whooping on him in the fourth round landing almost uh i think 160 punches just an incredible amount a ufc record 400 combined significant strikes in this one 290 for Max Holloway, 110 for Brian Ortega, 309 total strikes from Max Holloway, man, 309 total strikes. Uh, I really am, you know, praying for Brian Ortega's uh, brain this entire week, man. There's no fucking way you can't you can't be feeling that damage for the days, weeks, months to come, uh, and you know, just eating possibly 290 uh, punches. 
significant punches is just you know unimaginable so uh like i said praying for ortega to you know hope he heals up hope he comes back uh you know it takes a good amount of time off maybe six months and then comes back uh better than ever but man max holloway you just gotta appreciate this motherfucker one of the best uh fighters in in the world right now top five pound for pound fighters in the world right now possibly the best featherweight of all time honestly there's a there's a, a, a big debate going on whether who's the best featherweight of all time was it conor mcgregor who, who has wins over jose aldo and over max holloway is it uh, jose aldo who has the longest featherweight reign uh in ufc history the longest undefeated streak in uh featherweight ufc uh zufa history the most wbc and uh ufc title defenses uh, you know probably the best resume out of all of them or is it max holloway who has beaten jose aldo twice who has you know beaten Brian Ortega and Ricardo Lamas and uh, let's see Jeremy Stevens and you know just the who's who I mean uh, the one thing uh, Jose Aldo does have wins over all these people he has wins over Lamas Stevens Swanson those are some of those are some of Max Holloway's big best wins uh pettis is another one of his big wins but man if you're comparing jose aldo or or max holloway i hate to break it to you but there's a pretty pretty good way to determine who's better than one another it's a fight it's not comparing the resume saying that so-and-so dominated for more amount of time it's not comparing their strength to schedule it's a, it's a there's a competition that they can have against one another to determine who's better and that competition has already occurred twice and Max Holloway pummeled Jose Aldo's head into the canvas for 90 seconds each time he he not he dropped him in each fight and then while Aldo was on the ground he sl- he smashed his face into the canvas for 90 seconds straight before the ref mercifully stopped it. So I don't understand how anybody in their right mind can all, can argue that Aldo is the best featherweight of all time when there's a guy knocking on the door who's whooped his fucking ass twice. And this is coming from a guy who loves loves Jose Aldo. He's, you know, probably my favorite fighter of all time. He's one of the guys who inspired me to start Muay Thai. You know, I've got posters of him in my room and everything. But Max Holloway is a bad motherfucker, and you can't you can't argue that this guy is not probably the best featherweight of all time. The the I honestly think you can make a better argument for McGregor being number two than Aldo at this point. You can't all listen, man. Aldo is is like I said, my favorite. But you can't be the best featherweight of all time when in the biggest featherweight fight of all time, the biggest fight of your career, you shit the bed and get knocked out in 13 seconds. All because some guy talked some shit about you before the fight and you got your he got in your head and rattled you up. You just can't be the best when that happens, you know. And uh, it's you know I I would say McGregor is clearly number two. Holloway is number one because uh, McGregor beat Holloway uh, five years ago and when Holloway was like twenty two years old. You know, at 22 years old, he had, you know, a couple fights in the UFC. He had probably had less experience than, than McGregor at the time. So that, that win doesn't really mean much. We need to see a rematch between those two at some point in the future to determine who's who's really better at this point. But, man, like I said, Max Holloway is just a national treasure. He suffered those health issues. He came back strong. He, pro- he you know, uh, proved all the doubters wrong. He was the underdog in this fight, made everybody some nice coin, plus 1,400 odds in round four, made me some nice coins, saved the night. Uh, after you know, I was a little bit uh, uh, 
a little bit in the red, I would say, for the night. And I said I needed Holloway to come through big in three, four, or five. And what does he do? Is he comes four and four, just like we needed him to. So, uh, Max Holloway, man, uh, w- one of the one of the greats, and uh, pr- definitely one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world right now. So, uh, that'll be all for this UFC 231 card. It was a tremendous card. Like I said, it delivered big time. But with that being said, we are going to move into the UFC on Fox 31 card going down this Saturday night starting at 3.30 p.m. on the uh, UFC Fight Pass prelims. I believe 5 p.m. for the Fox Sports 1 prelims and then 8 p.m. for the Fox main card, the last show on Big Fox, second to last on Fox Sports 1. UFC 232 prelims will still be held on Fox Sports 1, but we have ourselves a 13-fight card starting things off in on the UFC Fight Pass prelims in the heavyweight division. We have Juan Adams, who is 4-0, taking on Chris De La Rocha, who is 5-2. The the opening betting line for this one is Juan Adams at minus 265 and Chris De La Rocha at plus 185. People betting down Adams all the way down to minus 440 in this one. De La Rocha up to plus 350. Uh, I'm going to disagree with the line movement in this one. Juan Adams is making his UFC debut in this one. He looked great on the Contender Series, beating up Sean Teed really good in that one. He His, his hands look just yeah, really, really great in that one. He, he's got fast hands. He's accurate. He's powerful. You know, he's a really good boxer. But he is making his UFC debut against a guy in Chris De La Rocha who has, you know, fought in the UFC before. He's got a good amount of experience under his belt. You know, obviously not the, the best competition. Uh, you know, he uh, d- lost to Dan- Daniel Omelechuk. Uh, he's got a win over Rashad Coulter and has lost to Adam Milstead as well. All three fights ending inside the distance. He, that, that Rashad Coulter fight, man, he showed a little bit of chin in him, showed some heart. He was losing that one, and he ended up coming back and winning that one. Adam Milstead uh, boxed him up pretty good, and, uh, you know, looked he looked pretty bad in that one. But, uh, you know, I would say that, you know, Juan Adams should be the favorite, but definitely not as steep as he is now at 4-1. to one. Definitely wouldn't be trusting him there. And honestly, I wouldn't really knock a play on the De La Rocha at plus 350 for the, you know, the, the UFC-tested guy at this point. So... The pick is going to be Adams, but definitely not going to pay the juice on this one. In the next fight, in the middleweight division, we have Zach Cummings, who is 21-6, taking on Trevor Smith, who is 15-8. The betting line for this one opened up. Zach Cummings has the minus-185 favorite. Trevor Smith has the plus-145 underdog. People are betting Zach Cummings all the way down to minus-320. Trevor Smith is up to plus-360. Again, I'm going to disagree with the line movement on this one. I would not be trusting Zach Cummings at that, as that much of a favorite in this one. Zach Cummings is, uh, you know, he's coming off a loss against Michel Prezeris when he he looked pretty underwhelming in that one, honestly. He does have, a, you know, a very good ground game. He's got uh, submissions and all, all different types of submissions, you know, arm locks, guillotines, uh, darsh chokes, uh, triangles, all types of stuff. He's he's really got a lot of different submissions on his record. But uh, his striking is is not very good. He's not very physical in there. He's getting up there in age. He's 34 years old, and he uh, he you know he looked pretty pretty bad in that fight against Michel Pizarro, honestly. 
and uh, Trevor Smith uh, is, you know, he's no no young gun himself. He's 37. He has, uh, you know, struggled as well in the UFC lately. He's has coming off a loss as well to Elias Theodoro, but he looked uh, he looked pretty decent in that fight. He, uh, you know, was able to implement his game plan, which he's trying to. He pushes you against the catch, go uh, the the fence, excuse me, go for takedowns and uh, you know grind you out. He uh, is it was able to do that against a couple decent fighters, Dan Miller and uh, Chris Camozzi coming to mind. But he also has lost uh, to uh, Andrew Sanchez and Elias Theodoro in the UFC, along with uh, Cal Magalhaes. He's been in the UFC for, for a long, long time and uh, has never really uh, got a win streak going. But, uh, you know, hopefully he can uh, try to get back in the win column this uh, Saturday night. But, uh, you know, with that being said, I think that uh, the opening betting line was much more accurate. I think that Trevor Smith has a better chance to, to make this tough type of fight, uh, you know, where he's pushing against the fence, going for takedowns, and, uh, you know, grinding out uh, Zach Cummings. It's, it's probably going to be a boring one, honestly. Both of these guys are, like I said, coming off losses on the tail end of their career. They actually look pretty similar to too. So uh, this is going to be, uh, you know, not too exciting of a fight. So uh, I'm going to pick uh, Trevor Smith to pull up the upset, here, pull off the upset here. And at, uh, you know, plus two, 260 odds, man, definitely worth a play. Um, or maybe his plus hand, or his points handicap, because I, I really don't see Cummings finishing him. Um, but I, I don't, who knows about an actual bet on flat out uh, Trevor Smith. I might just pass on this fight. Um, next fight in the light heavyweight division, we're going to have a barn burner here. We have Adam Milstead, who is 8-2, taking on Mike Rodriguez, who is 9-3. The betting line for this one opened up Mike or Adam Rodriguez. Excuse me, Adam Milstead as the minus 215 favorite, Mike Rodriguez at plus 165, and the line margins have tightened up a little bit. Adam Milstead at minus 155, Mike Rodriguez at plus 135. Um, I, so I'm going to agree with the, uh, the line movement in this one. I think it is a pretty close fight. Uh, both of these gentlemen are powerful, powerful strikers. They both throw a lot of heat. Uh, you know, it's... I think Rodriguez has only been to the decision or to the cards once in his career, and uh, I let me see. Uh, let's see. No, he has. Uh, he, both of the times he's been to the decision, he has lost. Uh, that's a that's a pretty interesting statistic uh, for Mike Rodriguez and Adam Milstead. He went to the decision in his last fight for sure. Um, and that was the only decision of his career too so yeah both of these guys are very likely to have the fight end inside the distance like i said they are powerful uh punchers uh you know adam milstead i think looked pretty good in his last fight i do not agree that with the fact that he lost that fight to jordan johnson i think that was a bad decision i think that adam milstead was able to uh you know get his striking off in that one and uh jordan johnson basically basically just laid and prayed and somehow won the decision on the scorecards so, um, you know, kind of a raw uh, decision in that one for Milstead. But Mike Rodriguez also losing a decision in his last one. I agree that with that with that scoring, though, I think he was, uh, you know, outworked, outwrestled, and outgrinded by uh, Devin Clark in that fight. So, um, you know, I don't, I with, uh, I don't think they both fought, you know, grinding type fighters who are trying to push you against the cage and wrestle. Neither of these guys are like that. Both of them want to uh, stand at range and strike in this one. So I think someone will definitely get the knockout in this one. And uh, honestly, I think I think Mike Rodriguez is worth the uh, you know is going to be the pick in this one. I think that his uh, his striking is a little more diverse. He throws some crazy flying knees and kicks. And Milstead is sort of just a boxer in this one. So I think that uh, Mike Rodriguez is going to get the knockout in this one. 
Next fight in the featherweight division, we have Dan Ige, who is 9-2, taking on Jordan Griffin, who is 17-5. Dan Ige opened up as the minus-185 favorite. Jordan Griffin is the plus-145 underdog since then. Uh, Ige has shifted to minus-170. Jordan Griffin at plus-150, so the line is pretty much the same. There's two-way action coming in on this fight. And uh, rightfully so, I think that this is going to be a close fight. I think that uh, Dan Ige is a you know pretty good grappler of his own right. Uh, he's uh, definitely uh, going to be trying to push this fight against uh, against the cage, go for takedowns, maybe go for a submission. That is his bread and butter there. But uh, you know Jordan Griffin is is no slouch on the ground, so I think he's going to have have a little bit of trouble there. Uh, most of his wins are coming by uh, coming by submission, but he also has got some power in his hands too. Uh, not the best. Uh, strength of schedule for uh, Jordan Griffin. Unfortunately, he uh, hasn't fought the best of competition in his regional circuits, but he did look really good on the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series against uh, Maurice Mitchell, who was 11-1, and a very legit opponent. Maurice Mitchell actually looked like he was winning that fight, and uh, Jordan Griffin, you know, was able to clip him with a punch and sink up a choke in the first round, so... I think that Jordan Griffin is uh, is going to be uh, it's definitely a dogger pass in this one. I would not trust Dan Ige. He uh, was tried to take down Julio Arce, but was not really successful and got his face boxed off in that fight. And then he had a pretty uh, quick win over uh, Mike Santiago in his last fight with a slam and some ground and pound. So uh, you know, kind of hard to to. to, to to test where his skills are at he hasn't had all that much uh, experience in the ufc you know jordan griffin is uh, making his ufc debut as well too so both of them uh that case is the case for both of them they're a little bit inexperienced so uh it's kind of hard to get a full read on it but i would say that jordan griffin i think would has the more uh, versatile mma game and i think that he will uh, win this fight so the pick is going to be griffin uh, probably by decision Next fight in the middleweight division, we have Jer Jack Hermanson, who is 17 and 4, taking on Gerald Michart, who is 28 and 9. The betting line for this one opened up Gerald Michart as the plus 145 underdog, Hermanson as the minus 185 favorite. Since then, uh, Mearshart has gone up to plus 160, and Hermanson is at minus 185. Uh, a lot of action coming in on both sides to this fight. Gerald Mearshart actually went up to uh, over 2-1 to one at one point, and I honestly think that's a great price for him. Hermanson, uh, you know, actually went down to, again, minus, two, uh, minus 200 or more. Surprisingly in this one, I think this is going to be a really close fight, man. Uh, Jack Hermanson, in his last fight, he, he did suffer an injury and, and really uh, was losing that fight the first couple rounds of that fight, but then gutted it out in the third and was able to finish his opponent in an incredible comeback, one of the best comebacks of the year in that one. But he did show some questionable positioning in that one. He he was able to, you know, he had a was in a pretty deep arm triangle. Luckily, he didn't tap. But Thales Latis, a very old, you know, shot fighter at this point, was able to uh, have his way with him on the ground. You know, it could have been because of the, the, the rib injury. But, you know, he's facing a really good grappler in Gerald Michard, who's got, again, really great submissions. He has, you know, some, uh, some good power on the feet, too. He's got a good UFC uh, resume, four wins, one loss. Loss, only loss coming to Thiago Santos. He's coming off of a win by a rear naked choke against uh, Oscar Pachoda in the last fight, which was an absolute barn burner of a fight. He uh, so yeah, you know Mishard is you know he he brings it. He's he's got power on the feet. He's got a uh, good ground game as well. Hermanson is you know a pretty awkward striker. He's got really awkward uh, you know stance switches and leg kicks and power shots and. 
but I, uh, his his ground game, honestly, I think is a little bit suspect. Uh, you know, coming out of Sweden, you know, Europeans aren't really known for their wrestling or their jujitsu too well. Uh, so I think that uh, you know, not that that means much, but um, yeah, I think the Mearshart will uh, you know be able to capitalize on the uh, the gra- uh, the grappling exchange in this one, and I think that he will even hold his own in the feet. So I'm gonna trust Mearshart wherever this fight goes, and I think that he's definitely worth uh, a play as the plus one sixty underdog. Uh, that's a where I'm actually trusting him with money in this one. So uh, Mirshard is, is going to be the pick in that one. Next fight in the lightweight division, we have Joaquim Silva, who is 10-1, taking on Jared Gordon, who is 14-2. Jared Gordon opened up as the minus 155 favorite in this one to Joaquim Silva at plus 115. Gordon still sits at minus 150, and Silva's up to plus 130. So uh, action coming in both ways on this fight, and I I think this is this is a pretty accurately set line. I think that Jared Gordon is uh, you know a very good boxer. He's got great striking. He's got he's got some pretty good takedown defense and in, in ground game if he really needs to rely on it too. Uh, Joaquim Silva is you know, again a powerful striker. I think these guys are going to clash on the feet and. Uh, you know, there, we might see a knockout in this one. Uh, I th- you know, Silva, his, his ground game is not is not his best suit, but I don't think that Gordon will be trying to implement that one there. I think Gordon's going to be able to tr- be tr- try to fight a safe fight because he got clipped and uh, knocked out in his last fight against Carlos Diego Freira. So I think that he's going to uh, try to fight behind a jab in this one. I think he's going to be uh, trying to kick, uh, stay on the outside, maybe kick Joaquim's legs. And, you know, if he, he might look for a power shot to counter Joaquim because uh, Silva's going to bring it in the first round for sure. Uh, he might even gas out in the in the latter rounds, and uh, maybe Gordon can chase a late finish. But I'd expect Gordon to try to play this one safe and uh, maybe uh, close to a decision, possibly get a late finish. So the pick is going to be Gordon in this one. Uh, another fight in the UFC's lightweight division, we have Drakkar Close, who is 9-1-1, taking on Bobby Green, who is 24-8-1. In this fight, we had Drakkar Close open up as the minus 245 favorite to Bobby Green at plus 175. The line not shifting much. Drakkar Close is at mi- minus 250, and Bobby Green is up to plus 210. I'm gonna agree with the line movement in this one. I think that Drakkar Close will uh, win this fight pretty handily. Uh, Drakkar Close has, you know, really impressed me lately. He's, you know, coming the UFC, picking over, uh, picking up wins over uh, Devin Powell, uh, Mark D. Casey, and Lando Venata. Venata being the most impressive, really outclassing Venata in that one, who's a great striker of his own right. You know, uh, was able to really uh, kick his legs and, and work his jab in that one. He's got just, you know, beautiful, powerful, crisp stand up does Drakkar close and I think that's going to be uh, very hard for Bobby Green to uh, to overcome Bobby Green's you know uh, certainly not a, a shot fighter he's you know only 32 years of age he's still uh, you know picking up wins uh, he, he's coming off a win off of Eric Coach where he looked you know really good in that fight he uh, you know was uh, he had a lot a lot of canceled fights man and you you, you should look at this guy's resume he had uh, in 2014 he had two fights but he had one two he had f- six fights canceled in 2014 alone. 
That's insane. Then he had two more or three more canceled in 2015 and 16, three losses in a row there. So you know, really, really hard for him to get a get the ball rolling. Actually, had a couple more canceled fights this year, man. Bobby Green, that's insane. Just shite luck for him. But he's uh, finally getting a, a fight against Dracar close. But uh, this is going to be it's a very tough matchup for him. Uh, but uh, Bobby Green's going to make the fight close, no doubt. He's going to, uh, no pun intended, with Dracar close's last name. He's going to make the fight, uh, you know, a uh, close fight. He's going to, you know, uh, close the distance. And he's going to, uh, you know, try to maybe look for takedowns and level change. Dracar close, his wrestling is definitely, uh, you know, would probably be his weakest area. So uh, we could look to see Bobby Green use his experience. You know, he's got almost three times the amount of fights that Dracar does to try to make this ugly fight. But uh, I think that uh, Dracar will be able to keep it at distance and be able to pick uh, Bobby Green apart. So the pick is going to be Dracar. Dracar close to get this one done in uh, via decision. Dracar close is a very interesting name for an individual, especially an American guy. It sounds like a Swedish or something like that. But regardless, fuck, there it is again. Um, in the women's flyweight division, we have Jessica Rose Clark, who is nine and five, taking on Andrea KGB Lee, who is nine and two. Andrea Lee opened up as the minus two fifteen favorite to Jessica Rose Clark at plus one sixty five, and uh, since then people have bet down Lee to minus one forty five, Jessica Rose Clark up to plus two hundred five. Uh, I'm going to agree with the line movement in this one. I think that uh, Andrea Lee is just a much better fighter. She's very well-rounded. She's got uh, you know, a great ground game, good submissions, and she's also got some pretty good stand-up, too. Uh, you know, she made her UFC debut against Veronica Macedo and just you know cruised to a decision, and that one looked very impressive in there. Uh, you know, Jessica Rose Clark is coming off of a loss in her last fight to, to Jessica I. Jessica I is you know, looking really uh, totally reinvented at uh flyweight you know no shame in that loss but um Rose Clark was looking pretty good in the UFC, uh, you know, grinding out decisions over Beck Rawlings and Paige Van Zandt. She looks to make fights ugly, push against the cage, uh, you know, go for takedowns. Um, uh, not really too much of a submission threat, and uh, especially I think uh, Lee will have the better ground game, no doubt. So it's going to be a very tough task for Jessica Rose Clark in there. I think she, you know, obviously she has a decent chance at, you know, pushing against the cage. And some maybe squeaking out a couple rounds and, uh, you know, winning on the judges' scorecards. But, man, I, I, I doubt it. I think that Andrea Lee will win this fight decisively. She'll, uh, you know, outstrike uh, Rose Clark at range. And if she chooses to take the fight on the ground, I think that she'll dominate the, the scrambles and uh, possibly even get a submission on Rose Clark. So the pick is going to be uh, Andrea Lee in this one. And moving on to the main event of the prelims, we have Dwight Grant. Uh, who is taking on uh, Dwight Grant? Who is eight and one? Taking on Zach Otto, who is sixteen and six. This fight is taking place in the welterweight division, and the betting line opened up Dwight Grant as the favorite at minus three hundred five. Zach Otto at plus 225. Not much movement coming on this way. Dwight Grant currently sits at minus three hundred, and Zach Otto is up to plus two fifty. Uh, I agree with this line pretty uh, pretty much. I think that Dwight Grant looks really good on the Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. He was able to knock out his opponent, Tyler Hare, with a vicious, vicious combination. Showed really crisp hands and a lot of power in that fight, too. Uh, decent, you know, good composure, good, uh, you know... Uh, 
you know, just IQ in there. He, he was able to see that he was hurting his opponent with the right hand. And then uh, on the commentary, he said, yeah, he's hurting him with the right hand, but he needs to follow it up with a, net, a strike hand. Right as the commentator said that, he hit a right hand and followed it up with the left hook and knocked his opponent out flush. So, you know, great read from him in, in the cage there. And uh, he was supposed to fight against Eric Koch in his debut, but good thing he didn't fight uh, that fight. Uh, you know, Eric Koch is a much better, much better fighter than Zach Otto. Zach Otto is, he's bad, man. He's 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 a shot fighter pretty much at this point. Even at 31 years of age, he's you know been you know knocked out just multiple multiple times. Got knocked out by Sage fucking Northcut, man. If you're getting knocked out by Sage Northcutt, you, you got to go. He's, you know, got good jujitsu, but he, his wrestling is bad. His striking is awful. His chin is bad. I think that Dwight Grant will easily, you know, outstrike Zach Otto and uh, eventually uh, check his chin and uh, probably knock out Zach Otto in this one. So uh, the pick is going to be Dwight Grant to get this one done via knockout. And moving on to the main card, the Fox main card, the last fox main card there are only 31 of them but man the ratings for these cards have gone so far downhill from the first one debuting at 8.88 million viewers and now we get maybe 1.3 1.2 million viewers so it's it, it's absolutely uh, decimated as an uh, as a program basically so pretty good that the ufc is moving away from the the fox platform but regardless there it is uh charles Oliveira who is 24 and 8 taking on Jim Miller who is 29 and 12 in the lightweight division Charles Oliveira opened up as the favorite at minus 245 in this one to Jim Miller at plus 175 people betting down Oliveira all the way to minus 320 while Jim Miller is up to plus 260 in this one these gentlemen have fought before a long, long while ago. Let me uh, pull up the, the date on this one. Jim Miller won via knee bar. And uh, this fight, let's see where it is. UFC 124 back in 2010. Holy shit. Charles Oliveira was actually undefeated coming into this fight. And... Uh, Jim Miller ends up uh, taking away that uh, undefeated record. This fight almost happened eight years, almost to the day. Uh, eight years, two days uh, from now. Eight days, eight years, four days from when the fight is going to happen again. So, incredible that this fight is is being made. But uh, Jim Miller was, you know, once one one of the best uh, lightweights on the roster, possibly, and uh, has you know have a little bit of a fall from grace. He's much older. He's fighting a little bit of a medical condition in. Uh, Lyme's disease, but in his last fight, man, that didn't stop him one bit. He rocked his younger opponent, Alex White, on the feet and then was able to sync up a choke and get the tap 90 seconds into that fight. So just an incredible performance coming off of four losses in that one for Jim Miller. I think this is actually a pretty winnable fight for Jim Miller. Uh, I would definitely not agree with the way the line is set right now. Miller at plus 260. I think he's probably worth the stab at those odds. Uh, you know, it's Miller's got great, great jujitsu, great submissions. He's got a good guillotine. Oliveira is, you know, a great submission artist of, of his own. He's got, the, I think, the most submissions out of anybody in UFC history. But he's also very reckless. He also does a lot of crazy shit in there. He leaves his head out for takedowns. He His striking is very, you know, wild. So I Jim Miller could possibly still land a power shot on the feet, maybe rock Oliveira and, uh, you know, get a choke, or he could snatch Oliveira's neck while uh, Oliveira's getting a takedown. I would favor 
Charles Oliveira a little bit, maybe minus 150 in this fight to Miller at plus 130. But man, where the line is set right now, I think is crazy. I think uh, uh, Jim Miller at plus 260 is definitely worth a play. And, uh, you know, I think that I might even pick him straight up to win this fight. I mean, I could I could be letting that price tag affect my mind a little bit. But I think that this is a very winnable fight for Miller. The, the fact that he's got a win over him before, he's Oliveira's strong suit, which is submissions, is Miller's strong suit as well. And, uh, you know, I think they're, but neither of their striking is too elite. So I think this is a very winnable fight for Jim Miller. And in the next fight, we in the bantamweight division we have sergio pettis who is 17 and 4 taking on rob font who is 15 and 4 rob font actually opened as the underdog plus 135 to sergio pettis at minus 175 the line has since completely flipped and uh pettis is at plus 150 rob font at minus 170 crazy opening line honestly i think that uh i don't i don't really know what the odds maker was thinking when he made that I guess he was thinking that Sergio Pettis from f flyweight is going to transfer up from Sergio Pettis at, at uh, Bantamweight. But, man, I don't know if that's going to be the case. He's going to be smaller in there. He's fighting a really physical, powerful, aggressive guy in Rob Font. Rob Font throws, you know, haymakers, you know, power punches, man. He tries to get his opponents out of there quick. He, uh, you know, when he's he's very successful in doing that, he's, he's knocked out a, a lot of good good fighters doing so. But, um, you know, his cardio is a little bit suspect. His, uh, you know, he definitely probably starts to decline later in fights because of how, how much power he throws in the beginning. And uh, his, his ground game is not too great either. Uh, so, you know, Sergio Pettis isn't really known for his ground game either, so I don't think he has to be too worried about that. I think this fight's going to be mostly a striking battle, and I, I think that Rob Fonten is going to is going to win those exchanges, man. I think that he has a good chance at testing the chin of Pettis. I think that, uh, you know, I think that Pettis is going to, like I said, is going to be undersized in there. He's going to be, uh, you know, maybe getting trapped against the cage, and if he is not able to, you know, to circle uh, effectively and, you know, stay behind the jab and be on his bike the entire fight i think he's there's a good chance he gets clipped in this one and uh i don't even know if he's ever been i don't think he's been knocked out in the ufc no i don't think he has uh maybe not even yeah i don't think he hasn't been knocked out in his career oh no he has once uh to ryan benoit back uh, over three years ago so it's possible. I think that you know that was at that was at uh flyweight. So this, these are you know that that ten pounds from flyweight to bantamweight is huge. You know that's you know twelve percent of your body weight at that weight or something like that. Maybe a little less. Maybe like eight percent of your body weight. Who the hell knows? Um, but you know that that could make a huge difference. So I think that Ralph Font is uh, gonna win this fight, and I think there's even a chance he uh, you know tests that chin of uh, Pettis and maybe finishes him in the second round. So. The pick is going to be fun in this one. In the co-main event of the night, in the lightweight division, we have Edson Barbosa, who is 19-6, taking on Dan Hooker, who is 17-7. The betting line for this one opened up. Dan Hooker as the favorite at minus 135, Edson Bar Barbosa at minus 105. Uh... Hooker went all the way down to minus 175, I want to say. And right now, we're actually looking at Barbosa as the favorite at minus 115 and minus Hooker at minus 105. So this fight's been going all over the place. We're actually seeing a lot of props for these fights drop right now uh, as I'm seeing them on, on best fight odds. So 
Um, you know, it, this is a very, very interesting matchup. You know, we have two elite strikers in this one. We have uh, Bar we have Barbosa, who has, you know, been around the UFC forever. He's got some of the best leg kicks and knees. And, you know, his, his hands have never been, ever, never been a strong suit, I would say. But I think that... Uh, I think that he is, you know, still a great boxer of his own right, but he's fighting, yeah, I think the better boxer in this fight is going to be uh, Daniel Hooker. Daniel Hooker throws with some mean, mean intention, man. He throws, he throws hard. So uh, he, you know, he's also got a, you know, a great training partners with Israel Adesanya down in Tiger Muay Thai and Australian and or Australian, Australia and Thailand. Uh, he alternates between both places, and uh, you know, I think it's a. Uh, this is a very very close matchup, man. This is is it's you know a new breed striker versus old breed striker, and uh, you know with the damage that Edson Barbosa has taken over the past two of his fights. He's fought in the past twice in the past year, and he's absorbed you know something like 700, 800 strikes in those two fights combined. Man, that that is that plays into my mind a lot in this one. I honestly think that that that's a, a huge factor. You know, even though he took eight months off from his last fight with Kevin Lee, I think that 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 damage that he sustained in those two fights is absolutely life altering. So, you know. Who, who the hell knows how well he will bounce back from that. I think this is going to be a close fight. It's going to be a close striking exchange or a close striking battle the entire time. And uh, I think that uh, that I'm going to favor Dan Hooker in this one to get the win. Uh, probably winning by a decision. Maybe even testing that chin of Barboza and uh, getting a knockout. So the pick is going to be Hooker. And in the main event of the evening... In the lightweight division, we have Kevin Lee, who is 17-3, taking on Al Iaquinta, who is 13-4-1. The betting line for this one opened up. Kevin Lee as the favorite at minus 275 to Al Iaquinta at plus 195. And people are betting down I, or, uh, Kevin Lee all the way down to minus 360. Iaquinta is up to plus 300 in this one. So... These two gentlemen have fought before. This is a rematch they fought back at UFC 169 in February of 2014. So almost four years uh, ago that their fight was. That was Kevin Lee's UFC debut. He... Uh, you know, he lost a close decision in that one. He had his moments of success in that one as well. He was able to take Iaquinta's back. He wasn't able to finish it in that one. Uh, but, you know, Lee has had double the amount of fights Iaquinta has. Iaquinta, since then, Iaquinta has been, you know, pretty inactive. He hasn't fought to the best of competition. He obviously felt, came in short notice against Khabib and, you know, looked pretty decent against him. He looked a lot better than a lot of Khabib's opponents have or uh, were. But he was, you know, really outstruck by Khabib on the feet in that one and obviously outgrappled uh, pretty decisively too. So I think that that's exactly how this fight's going to go. I think Kevin Lee is, you know, you can even trust him at this price at minus 360, man. I think Kevin Lee is going to win this fight pretty easily. He's going to, you know, uh, wrestle uh, Ali Quinch to the ground. He's going to make him pay on the ground. He's going to, like, damage him with uh, ground and pound. Might even go for a submission. I think if it goes on the feet, Kevin Lee, is, his striking has looked even better as well. I think it'll definitely be closer on the feet, but... I don't think Kevin Lee is going to want to keep it on the feet for too long. I think he's going to, uh, you know, take uh, Al down in the early rounds, you know, really land some devastating ground and pound, tire Al out, and uh, possibly get that finish in rounds three, four, or five for Kevin Lee. So the pick is going to be Kevin Lee in this one, and I think he'll get it done uh, pretty easily. 
So that will conclude the UFC on Fox 31 analysis and prediction portion of the card. Really looking forward to this card going down uh, this Saturday night. It's a nice and early card starting at 3.30. Should be wrapping up around 10, 10.30 p.m. So not having to wait up till 1 a.m. to see the main event. It's always a pleasure. So with that being said, we're going to transition into the last segment of the podcast, just a, a few general stories from the world of MMA this week, uh, starting things off with UFC 233 being canceled. Uh, there was unable to find a main event for it. They had a, a couple fights lined up, but they just couldn't find a title fight of any sort. So they decided uh, they say they postponed it, but it basically seems like they're canceling it. They're basically shifting all the other fights around two different cards or whatnot uh nothing really wrong with that i mean it's, it's pretty i mean it's six six or seven weeks out and i mean they made ufc 230 they had they made lewis versus uh dc in like five or six weeks maybe even less than that so you know there's no real issue i don't, I don't really think with no yeah they made it way less than that it was like four 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 or five weeks they made the main event for that so i'm surprised they're honestly canceling it this far ahead of time but regardless uh it's not really it's not the uh, worst decision uh to be made because they uh you know they just have too many cards they have too many freaking cards 40 cards 40 main events you know 12 pay-per-views 12 title fights it's too much just shrink down the amount of uh uh, pay-per-views just use six to eight pay-per-views a year or 10 or 10 pay-per-views a year man that'll even be better just anything less than 12 so you don't have to do one every month you know a lot of great fights announced in the, uh, the next uh you know uh jose aldo versus hanato moiscano Dur- donald Cerrone versus alex hernandez there are uh, you know a lot of a lot of good stuff to look forward to um and uh, another uh, big piece of news was the one fc the singaporean uh, mixed martial arts promotion has signed a deal with TNT, the American uh, network. Uh, they're going to start digitally, or they're going to start uh, broadcasting 24 events on TNT in the next uh, year. Year, the 24 events total. It doesn't say how long they'll be over. It's probably not every every single year, but that's incredible. You know, the one FC moving into the North American market. Uh, you know, we'll see how much success they have. They just picked up a lot of. Uh, UFC talent Eddie Alvarez, Sage Northcutt, Demetrius Johnson. Uh, so uh, that's a, that'll be a big uh, score for them. We also have a lot of Bellator fights going down this weekend. We have the rematch of Brent Primus taking on Michael Chandler. Uh, Michael Chandler will probably get his belt back pretty uh, pretty easily from Brent Primus in that one. He was injured in in, in the first fight of their uh, their fight, but he was still almost able to win the fight even with an injury. So. Uh, I imagine Chandler will get his belt back pretty decisively in that one. And the Bellator is making their Hawaii de- debut, uh, beating the UFC to, to make the first uh, MMA card in Hawaii, I believe. Or at least the, big, the first mainstream one. That is headlined by a women's flyweight title fight between Ilima Lay McFarlane between uh, Valerie Letourneau. Uh, McFarlane is their undefeated flyweight champion, uh, taking on a UFC veteran and Letourneau is a pretty favorable matchup for the champ. Leona Machida is making his uh, Bellator debut in that one, taking on Rafael Carvalho, a pretty tough fight for his debut. And then uh, two undefeated prospects uh, fighting each other in the welterweight Grand Prix and Ed Ruth, the uh, NCAA wrestler, uh, All-American uh, Division One wrestler, and Neiman Gracie, you know, one of the Gracies, you know, crazy jiu-jitsu uh, phenom. 
you know, so that'll be a great fight. We also have uh, two no uh, notable uh, Bellator veterans, King Mo and Liam McGeary, two uh, former world champions, uh, dueling it out at light heavyweight. So great card from Bellator this weekend, and uh, also Canelo Alvarez is fighting this weekend uh, in a in a pretty big squash match. Uh, you know, in Madison Square Garden. So there's a, a an action-packed schedule this weekend from Bellator to boxing, to, of course, to UFC. So I hope everybody enjoys the weekend, uh, wins some money on their bets, and enjoys the UFC's last show on Big Fox. So with that being said, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being, thank you for tuning in to episode 44 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts, and we will catch you next week, or not next week, uh, next week is Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody. But the week after that, we will be previewing the, Uf the UFC's last show of 2018, UFC 232. I will see you guys then. Peace. Peace.